still learning something new about ourselves each day, but sometimes those discoveries can put your life and your career on a totally different trajectory. Me, I've learned I love to listen to people share how they see the world and how they invest in the communities that they care about. This week, my guest is a new Kentuckian with an extraordinary vision and perspective for engaging with neurodistinct communities in the workplace. I'm your host, Jordan Carmack, a leadership development and communication skill coach in London, Kentucky, and you're listening to Women of the Bluegrass, a leadership development podcast for and about women leading the way in Kentucky industries. My guest today is Carol Jean Whittington, the founder of Mind Your Autistic Brain. Her company is one of the largest and only 100% autistic ADHD owned and staffed accessibility and neurodiverse consulting firms in the world. She hosts a weekly talk show discussing the hottest topics in neurodistinct life from accommodations, work, relationships, burnout, masking, and more with some of the biggest names in the autistic online space. The Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show is heard and downloaded in over 89 countries by over 300,000 listeners and watchers each week. Spotify ranks their show in the top 5% of podcasts in the self-help category in 2022. Carol Jean uses her unique solutions, the unveiling method, and the neurodiverse communication ecosystem to help companies, teams, and individuals with minds of all kind authentically connect and thrive. Let's dive in. You're listening to Women of the Bluegrass, and I'm so excited to have Miss Carol Jean Whittington here with me today. She is the founder of Mind Your Autistic Brain, and we met just a couple of weeks ago, and I was just blown away um, by the way she carried herself and communicated so clearly um, her business and her passion for the neurodiverse community. So Carol Jean, thanks for joining me today. Oh, Jordan, I am thrilled to be here. I couldn't imagine having a conversation more fun with anybody but you. Listen, when you get two podcast hosts together in one episode, you know it's going to be fun. Totally. How could it not be, right? Exactly. So you've got Mind Your Autistic Brain um, is is your talk show. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I want to share with our listeners just a minute. So about how how we met and just the extraordinary circumstances in, in my mind. So I was speaking at a, the P31 Womenpreneur Conference. And if you've listened to the very first episode of this podcast, then you heard one of the organizers of that event, Rakaya Pryor. She brought me in to speak and it was actually the VIP night on Friday night. And we were doing introductions. And even before, Carol Jane, you just light up a room whenever you walk in. I noticed you immediately. You were wearing, <laughs> and you. You were wearing green. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? She's incredible. Well, I tell you, you just, you just never know. I just show up and I'm just like, hey, I'm here. I can't wait to meet some people. And you know, we, we just started connecting in this one little small group. And I just think that that's the beauty of what we can do as, as womenpreneurs, um, as leaders in our own life, because it isn't just about being a leader in the business world. It's about, am I leading in my own life? And I think that that was just such a beautiful place for us to come together just as women leading in our own life. Yeah. And we connected, we connected there. And I'll be honest, whenever I started finding out more about you, I was like, man, what is this girl doing here? Would you tell me how you landed in Pulaski County? Google. Really? <laughs> it was a Google 
search. Uh, we were living, I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama. I grew mm-hmm. up on the Gulf Coast. And my partner is from Central Alabama. And he said, I've always wanted to live in Colorado. I've traveled there several times um, for about eight years. And this is just really where I'd like to live. And I said, well, okay, why not? (laughs) I'm an adventurous spirit. Let's do it. So I downsized everything, 40 plus years of stuff Mm -hmm. and got it into a six by 12 U-Haul trailer and what would fit in my Jeep. And we bought property and moved to Crawford, Colorado okay. and built a house. And I came home one day. I had, you know, I moved somewhere. I'm tucking in. I'm, I'm meeting people. I'm getting involved. I had just come back from a board meeting because I had joined the town board. And I walked up out of the car and I said, oh, my goodness, what happened? And he said, I can't live here. There's not enough big trees and there's not enough water. And I said, well, we have 150-year-old pinion pines all around us and we live above the lake. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't, we don't have big old oak trees and we don't have Mm. lots and lots of water and it's really arid at 7,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? He goes, well, I want to go back south, but not as far south as we were. And it's got to have water. So in 30 days, we had Google searched and came up with Pulaski. Wow. And and he got in the truck and drove from Colorado here, took the money that we had on hand and bought a house. And we're like, well, we'll just flip it. He's a contractor. And I said, Mm -hmm. okay. And I, yet again, put my life in U-Haul boxes into a U-Haul truck and 1,600 miles in the opposite direction, 60 days later, showed up here in Pulaski County in Somerset and absolutely love it. (laughs) So how long have you been here? We have been here since November of 2019. We got here right before the pandemic and lockdown. Wow. What a time to move. So you're an import like myself. So I'm originally from Texas. Um, and one of the things uh, we've been featuring in our Eastern Kentucky stories, um, but one of the things I didn't want to leave out is what an incredible place Kentucky is to move to and how we, we talk about how, you know, we're losing amazing people to other states, but you know what? There are a lot of incredible people who fall in love with Kentucky when they get here. And so um, when I when I heard your story, I thought, you know what? She sounds like exactly the kind of people um, that that are being drawn to what Kentucky has to offer, specifically what Eastern Kentucky has to offer um, in terms of the regional beauty and connections and, and community relationships. Um, that's just incredible. So you've, so you've settled in over the last couple of years? Yes. And it was, you know, it was the thing that has been so beautiful is the connections in the community. That is just really, I mean, this is quite possibly one of the most naturally beautiful places to be. I mean, we're huge hikers. We canoe and, you know, that's been lovely. But the people, the Mm. people have truly made this move, this place feel like home so fast. Wow. And and you end up at conferences like P31, um, uh, just pouring into other other women and being poured into and building up this this community. Um, So, I'd like to transition now and talk a little bit more about about your work. But as a neurodiversity advocate, I know that a lot of your work begins with your own story. Would you go ahead and share with our listeners about your late identified autism diagnosis? Sure. So I was identified as having ADHD in my mid-20s. And lots of very common things that happen is you get misidentified. Most women 
who are late identified autistic and ADHD get misidentified along the way a lot of times as bipolar. That was similar for me. Then they put you on the medication and then everything gets worse. Mm. And you start to wonder, well, what's what's wrong? Why, Why isn't this working? And everything continues to get worse. And I was like, you know, mom, something's not right. And my mom went, then I think you need to stop doing it. I think you need to trust your gut. Thankfully, that was a good thing. Um, Because when I was 39 and 10 months, I was going through the identification process with my son, who was 10 at the time. And we had started on that journey with him when he was about two and then five, again, when things started to show up a little differently in preschool. And um, this darling little neuropsychologist is going through the report of my son. And, you know, these are the supports and the things that he'll need. And he said, you know, you were missed. And I looked at him and in my very little literal brain and thinking, I went, no, I wasn't. Nobody missed me. I'm right here. <laughs> you know, whatever his little salt and gray uh-huh. <laughs> hair and his little half glasses and his sport coat, he leans forward and smiles and says, you need to come back and see me. And because I also have a processing delay and I'm alexithymic mm. and, you know, I'm also autistic, which means my processing is just a little bit different. I'm super, super fast. Like my brain processes five to six times faster than a neuromajority brain in some areas. But then in other areas, it's a little slower. It takes well, its time. Around, mm-hmm. So around this particular thing, it was a little bit slower that day. And about 10 minutes later, I stopped and I looked at him and I said, hold up just a second. And he said, yes, ma'am. I said, are you saying I'm autistic? And he said, like I said, come back and see me. (laughs) (laughs) So he saw it even even before you did, just after spending a few minutes with you? Well, we had been spending a lot of time together. This was a progressive diagnostic model. But what was interesting is that as I'm reading through all of the questions, because you get questions as the parent for your child in this diagnostic Mm -hmm. process, I'm reading them going, well, that's not weird. I do that. Or we do that in our family. That's not different. I wonder why they're asking that. And that's what so often happens, especially in late identified life, is we don't recognize that it's not, quote unquote, the norm, which what the heck is that? But Mm -hmm. it's not our norm is neurodistinct. And I say neurodistinct versus divergent for linguistic reasons. Yeah, thank you. Um, Thank you. Because if you are divergent, you want to move away from and not be part of or included and distinct. We all want to be distinct and part of the whole. Oh, I love that distinction. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, my my wonderful friend, Tim Goldstein from the NeuroCloud coined that term and I asked him if I could use it. And he said, sure, Carol Jean, it's all yours. And I use it at random all the time. Neurodistinct. Um, Okay. Yeah. But but, uh, you know, that's something that happens. And that's one of the reasons so many people get missed. Number one, we have such a narrow understanding from mass media and just across the board of, oh, this is what autism is. And it's either you're the young white male who rocks and flaps and is nonverbal, or you're like Rain Man and you're the savant. Right, right. But then you have women like me who were walking and talking at eight and a half months, who are hyperverbal, hyperlexic, which I read voraciously, but I am dyslexic. Mm. You know, so we are the conundrum Mm -hmm. and people don't realize, oh, your brain is wired differently. Your sensory system is different. Mm. 
And when you don't know those things about yourself, boy, do you really struggle about not being successful, being a failure, Mm. not doing it right, not adulting in the right way. (laughs) So when faced with this diagnosis, I love that you talk about self-assessment because that's something in in regard to authenticity that is so important. Um, When faced with this, what did you do? I said, well, if I was missed and I didn't get any of these things that you're saying my son needs occupational therapy and, you know, integrated listening system and vision therapy and all of these things. And this would have helped me. And I know how much I struggled. I know how hard my life has been to this point. I'm going to do everything my son needs. So for two years, that's all I did. I poured everything into making sure he had what he needed. So much so that at the end of that two years, I hit the worst burnout of my life. Mm. And then I had to go, well, it's time for you. What now? It's time to look at that identification that you got and figure it out. What does it mean for you? What I love about this is sometimes we think that whenever we undergo hardship, that the transformation will happen instantly as I face this hard thing. And then suddenly I'm, I'm strong and I'm advocating and I'm empowering others and I'm doing these things and it all happens overnight. But very rarely do these sort of moments or journeys happen in a single moment. They take time. They are accumulation of thousands of tiny little moments. So at two years into this process, since your diagnosis, you said, okay, I'm going to focus on me. And what did that look like for you? For me, that looked like, what is my physical health? Mm. Because one of the things that, that is one of the areas that I work and advocate in, I work and advocate in healthcare for neurodistinct brains and bodies, because it isn't just our brain that is neurodistinct. It is our physiology. And so I come from to this from a background in healthcare as well. Um, and this is, there are several co-occurring health conditions that happen, especially among women who are autistic mm. and ADHD. And I'm a combination. I'm both autistic and ADHD. So I have POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. I also have MCAS, which is mast cell activation syndrome. That's your histamine response. You know, when you got to take a Benadryl, well, it's a little yes. worse than that. It, there's, it's oh, more to gosh. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I'm hypermobile. So you'll also hear a lot of people in our community talk about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So the reason I'm 48 and look like I'm in my 20s is I have all this wonderful elastin and collagen and I'm super flexible like Gumby. And that was- Oh, so I was going to ask you about your skincare routine, but I guess that's something different, huh? <laughs> Just genetics. But it's because of that. And, you know, so those kind of things get missed. But when- when all of that isn't something you're aware of and it starts to impact your physiology. And when you talk about burnout and different neurotypes and how you experience burnout, when you have this, I had essentially the perfect storm. I had three hurricanes converging and I was in the middle. (laughs) And at 256 pounds where I could barely hold my head up, I couldn't stand up. I was taking 15 medications. And all I could think about is I'm just trying to keep my nose above water, but the water kept lapping in my face. I'm like, I've got to take a moment. I got to figure this out. And I got to figure out, I can't do anything else until I have some energy in my physical body. 
Yes, yes. And I said, you know what, Carol Jean, you went through pre-med, you took organic chemistry. It's all on a cellular level. It all starts with what you put (laughs) in your mouth. And that's where I started. Right. So you you changed what you were eating and you took control of your life. It was interesting because through my physical transformation, when I was concentrating and I wasn't looking to lose weight, I was looking to feel better. Yes. I just simply yeah. wanted to be able to play with my kids and, and mm. not have to go sit down. Mm-hmm. And all I could think was, this is just about gaining some sustainable energy for myself. And I didn't even recognize that I was in neurodistinct burnout at that time. I had no clue. I just thought this was all health stuff. I didn't realize this was the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And when my body started to feel stronger, I mentally and emotionally started to feel stronger. And I started asking myself questions I never asked before, Jordan. One of those questions was, what does your perfect day look like? Oh, gosh, I love that one. I mean, at I started this at roughly age 42 in, in July of 2016. I can tell mm-hmm. you the exact day it started. Mm-hmm. And I that was one of the questions because I knew that I didn't know the questions to ask myself. So I went outside of myself and I said, who are some women that I really admire and respect that I feel like have tapped into this sense of who they are? What are they asking themselves? And I found this 52 journal prompt questions from somebody. I thought, oh, they're pretty spectacular. I like who they are. Because I didn't like who I was, right? I didn't like who I was at all. And that question really hit me because I thought at 42 years old, I've never, ever asked myself, what does my perfect day look like? What do I like? Mm. And so the outcome of asking these questions was a business was an entrepreneurial journey that is leading to incredible outcomes. So talk to us a little bit more about launching Mind Your Autistic Brain. Where did that begin? (laughs) It began with recognition that I had gone through the process of burnout restoration. And that's really what it was. I had gone through personal transformation as a late identified autistic woman. And I had figured out a framework and a process because that's how my brain works. That's how a lot of our neurodistinct brains work. I could see the 10,000 foot view and I could see all of the parts and pieces and this trial and error, because I always say I am the lead scientist in my life and I am constantly testing. I am the cutest little guinea pig in the world in my own life. (laughs) And I just started testing this. I just started to get curious about myself Mm. And around the, and the people in the world around me, and I stopped making assumptions, and I stopped going on what the expectations were and someone else's definition of something. And I said, I'm just gonna define these things for myself, and I'm gonna get curious, and I'm gonna explore. And through that process, I started to hit restoration. And looking back, I had kind of gotten stuck in what I call the burnout restoration illusion trap. Mm -hmm. Where if you've been on that chronic cycle burnout loop for decades, like a lot of us in late identified life, and you're circling, I have the five levels of burnout. I ask you, how spicy is your burnout from a (laughs) poblano pepper to a jalapeno level two to a cayenne level three to a habanero level four? Or are you in a level five ghost pepper? 
and you've mm-hmm. not just ghosted yourself, you ghosted your life and you're barely existing. Mm. And for a lot of people, they get stuck in that chronic cycle burnout loop and you're circling maybe a three, four and five or a two, three and four. And you've maybe hung out on that higher end and your executive functions impacted. Your energy levels are impacted. And there's something in psychology we call hedonic adaptation. And after so long of being in this one place, it becomes, quote unquote, your new norm, right? Mm -hmm. And it's been so long since you've been in Thrive and Restoration that you don't even remember what that feels like. So if you've been at a level four or five for a while and you move into a three, because let's just say maybe some things happened and changed in your life, your stress is a little different. Maybe you took a break and unplugged from some stuff. (laughs) Maybe you learned some self-care that's not just like slapping some cucumbers on your eyeballs because folks, honestly, that's nice, but it doesn't work. It's not (laughs) Not going to make a difference. Right. But you get in that level three and you think, oh man, I'm doing it. Mm. I'm here. I'm restored. But you're not. Right. And that illusion keeps you stuck in that trap because then you're not asking yourself because really burnout restoration and prevention starts with internal transformation. And it's one of those questions of how do I define success? So this is the message that you're now sharing with organizations and clients um, across the country, uh, around the world even. So what does your business look like today? And I love that you guided me back here as my brain went off on the tangent of burnout. I started Mind Your Autistic Brain because there are millions and millions of unidentified struggling to get an identification out there, adults, Mm. because we don't fit the quote unquote medical model of what it looks like today. And there are changes being made, but I said, I've got to do something. I have figured these things out. And it has drastically and dramatically changed my life. What kind of person would I be if I didn't share what I've learned and not teach it to the next group, not teach it to the woman next to me, not teach it to the next generation of girls coming up? Absolutely. And you find these women everywhere. That happened at the 31 conference, right? You connected with a woman and it was like light bulbs went off and you could see it in her face as you were sharing and talking about your experiences. Um, And so there's an impact being made now in this way. Do you have a a story that you share um, that maybe might be one of your favorites um, about uh, either whether it's change management in organization or it's transformation in a person after they've um, learned your framework It's really interesting because I see it on the individual level Mm. and then I also see it in the corporate level because I work in both. And what's interesting is that all change and all change management starts with the individual and it's how we come together collectively, right? And so it may seem like I start on an organizational level when I go in and do a presentation and say, you know, hey, what's your spicy burnout level, folks? And everybody's (laughs) like, oh, we all got one because 77% of us have one right now in the modern workplace, right? Especially in in my healthcare work, when I go into hospitals and clinics, Mm -hmm. when I go into hospitals and clinics. But what I'm seeing is that, and what I love and one of the biggest things that just absolutely sparks my heart and my joy so much is I will get an email or a DM at least once or twice a week from someone who is 35 or older who says to me, wow, 
your top 20 burnout warning signs changed my life. I took your episode around burnout between different neurotypes and I finally got an identification from my doctor. I've gotten these from Austria. I mean, we're in 89 countries as of this year, and we've impacted over wow. 308,000 lives. Um, Congratulations. I had a goal of, thanks. I, I had a goal of like of a, a quarter of a million people in five years, and I hit mm-hmm. it in two. Wow. This tells me there is a need. Right. This tells me there's a need. And I just, those stories from women who, and, and I'm men too. I, I get them mm-hmm. from men just as much as I do from women, but like, this changed my life. I didn't have a way to articulate or explain to my healthcare provider what was going on with me till you said it in this episode or till I read it on the blog. And this was what I was able to take so that I could be seen, heard, and understood for the first time. Mm. So you have a multimedia platform with with the blog and the podcast and your website. You're doing in-person consultations and webinars and all the things. Now, for those aspiring entrepreneurs out there who maybe have their own niche, would you have any bits of wisdom that you would share with them as you've walked this journey over the last couple of years? You've got to try. Don't be afraid because clarity, contrast is where you get clarity. You don't get contrast without getting dirty. Get in the messy (laughs) middle. I'm not kidding. I spent an entire year and my, my phrase for the entire year was do it afraid. My first year of business was do it afraid. But I will say I had a buddy who was doing it afraid with me in her business. Wow. Yep. That makes a, that makes all the difference in the world. Get a buddy. Do it afraid together. Be willing to just have it flop. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I launched something to crickets. <laughs> but you know what? Those crickets, I learned something. I learned more about my message. I learned more about me. I learned more about my clients who needed a service, who was looking for something. But I wouldn't have gotten there if I didn't get messy and just do it afraid. Mel Robbins just put out a new podcast episode, and I'm, I'm going to highlight her because this is all about podcasts today. Um, she was just talking about confidence as her, as her big thing, and she says that courage is that first step toward confidence, is you have to just do it take that step, dive in, make yourself get in there and figure it out. It doesn't, you can't develop confidence. You don't just get to feel confident. It begins by taking that first step of courage. I love that so much. A really good friend of mine, Tammy Cho, she is an embodiment coach. And I had her on the show recently and I I loved this quote Tammy said, and I'm going to pull it because I got it on a sticky note right here. It's so good. Our consciousness shifts at the vibration of courage. I just want to let that sit. Yeah. Our consciousness shifts at the vibration of courage. I have this mental image of somebody throwing a rock in a pond or of skipping those rocks and of of courage being the, the ripples across that pond. Man. Carol Jean, you have inspired me in this conversation, and I feel so encouraged even to continue the business that that 
I have started in the last year. And, you know, there's been several things where I've held off because I've been afraid. And you're right. We can, we can do those things afraid and find someone to do it afraid with us in the midst of all of it. Um, so if somebody has been listening to this conversation today and they've begun to think, man, what she's saying sounds a lot like me or sounds a lot like somebody I know, um, how can they reach out to you? What would you recommend they do first? Go to the webpage, mindyourautisticbrain.com. There are three different tracks there. So there's for the individual, there's for couples because we have Her Brain Connection Lab. If you may be in a neurodiverse relationship or you're in a neurodistinct brain mm -hmm. relationship, we have that from her perspective because most of the stuff's out there about men. And then if you are a business owner and you work in the area of education, healthcare or the modern workplace. We have workshops, presentations, and, and all different types of leadership training for neurodistinct leaders because we got a lot of VPs out there who are in the boardrooms. And by the way, guys, 38% or more of your workforce is already there and neurodistinct. How well are you communicating effectively? With them, mm -hmm. with and recognizing them. those things, That's making right. sure your materials are accessible and offered in multimodalities, and there's lots of tangible steps that can be taken, as well as educational steps in order to communicate more effectively and empower our workforce um, to not not just be aware of those neurodistinct. Um, uh, partners, but then also empower them to be successful and to not be burned out. Um, so this has been an incredible conversation. Carol Jean, thank you so much. And I just can't wait to see how um, your business continues to grow and people are impacted and lives are changed by what you're doing. Thank you for moving to Kentucky and for um, sharing uh, your experiences with our region. Um, it's going to be great. I love it. And I, I cannot wait to see where this next journey takes us in this gorgeous bluegrass area. This interview hit at the exact right time for me this week. It's not enough to just wait to feel confident enough to take on that next challenge, ask for that promotion or apply for that job. You have to practice courage knowing that you often will do the big scary thing, still afraid of what might happen. But that's just it. Confidence comes from practicing courage each and every day. When you make a mistake, you practice resilience when you get back up again, no matter who is watching, and try again. And when you walk in a room, own who you are and what you stand for unapologetically. Even the things that others might see as divergent are actually what makes you distinct. If you'd like to learn more about Mind Your Autistic Brain, you can check out the link in the show notes to Carol Jean's blog and podcast or schedule a call with her in Somerset. Thanks for listening to Women of the Bluegrass. In a few weeks, we're going to be on the road at the Appalachian Arts and Entertainment Awards. If there's an artist you'd like to hear from or learn more about, let me know and I'll try to chat with them live from Prestonsburg at the Mountain Arts Center. Until then, see you next week.